Greeting brothers and sisters in Christ, a blessed Sunday to all of you. We are already on the last month of the first quarter of 2021. Indeed, time flies fast. And we just ended our journey through the book of Joshua last week. So today we are starting a new journey through another book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. I know some of you might have lost your excitement after hearing that our next series is in the book of Leviticus. Because for many Christians, Leviticus is one of their least favorite books in the Bible. Many lose interest in the book of Leviticus simply because it is filled with instructions and rituals that we no longer practice or observe today in our worship of God, like sacrifices, like priesthood, or being ritually clean or unclean. Therefore, many Christians find no use in reading the book and so they skip it altogether in their Bible reading. We no longer consider it as relevant in our lives as followers of Christ. But, you know, nothing can be more wrong than this. The fact that we, no longer we are no longer required to directly observe many of these rituals and practices being taught in this book is what makes Leviticus so important for us to read and understand. And it is not because we are better than the Israelites, no, but because God has already given us something better than what the Israelites have during their time, which is His only Son. Therefore, studying Leviticus will help us appreciate more the significance of who our Lord Jesus Christ is and the immensity of what He has done for us. So I hope that our attitude is one of excitement as we journey through the book of Leviticus through these next two months. Now, we must understand that Leviticus is more than just a book about instructions, sacrifices, and rituals. At the heart of the book is the most important attribute of God, His holiness. And the, pro and the book provides a solution to one of humanity's greatest dilemma. How can a sinful people, like the Israelites, like us, live in the midst of a holy God? This dilemma is so significant that the narrative pauses at the end of Exodus and then dedicates a whole book to address this issue. How does a sin sinful people live with a holy God? And then the narrative resumes again in the book of Numbers. And from the very first chapter of Leviticus, God already starts to tell us how. So, let us open our Bibles today to Leviticus chapter 1. We'll be reading the whole chapter from verse 1 to verse 17. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 to 17. Join me as we read God's Word. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atone him, atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, 
and Aaron's sons, the priest shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. And he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat. And the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall, burn, shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents and cast it beside the altar on the east side in a place for ashes. He shall tear it open by its wings, but shall not sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. What we just read are the instructions that God gave the Israelites in the sacrificing of the burnt offerings. Now, the burnt offering is only one of the five types of sacrifices that the Lord commanded the Israelites to offer. Aside from the burnt offering, there are grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. And instructions for offering all these sacrifices are laid out in detail in the first seven chapters in the book of Leviticus. Now, we will not go through to explain all these types of sacrifices in our series in Leviticus. So let me briefly explain to you that the grain and peace offering are generally offering of thanksgiving and gratitude for the Lord's blessing upon Israel. While the other three are generally focused on asking the Lord's forgiveness for the sins of the Israelites. And among these three, the burnt offering is the most costly of all since it is to be burned up completely with nothing left. And knowing this, the necessity for the Israelites for sacrificing acceptable burnt offerings to the Lord wants to teach us this important truth, that living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. Living, the perfect, living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. So now, brothers and sisters, please keep your Bibles open to Leviticus chapter 1 so that we can learn more of this very important biblical truth. The first thing we need to understand is 
uh, about this burnt offering is why are they necessary in the life of the Israelites? What purpose do they serve? As we have mentioned earlier, much of the sacrifices and rituals that are prescribed in the book of Leviticus has everything to do with God's unique character, His holiness, and also Israel's special covenant relationship with Him. The Israelites have this unique privilege of living in the midst of their God. In Exodus 29 verse 45, it says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And this poses a big problem. How can a sinful people live in the midst of a holy God? You know, many of us may not be able to comprehend the gravity of the situation here because we don't see the danger of this arrangement. But if you've read through the Old Testament, you will know that when a sinful person comes in contact with the holiness of God, they immediately die. It is like the sun. The sun is good. It gives us heat. It gives us life. But fly to space and go near the sun, and you will be toast. It is the same for us with God. That is why God warns Moses to keep his distance when he encountered him through the burning bush. That is why the prophet Isaiah shouts, Woe is me! when he was brought in the throne room of God. And so, God's provision for this dilemma is to make Israel holy, to sanctify his people so that they can live with him. In Leviticus 11 verse 44, it says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am holy. And the first step to this are the burnt offerings. Now, what does this offering actually do? Leviticus 1 verse 4 explains, He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted, to him, uh, be accepted for him to make atonement for him. The key word here is to make atonement. This is the purpose of the sacrifice. And what is being atoned for through the burnt offering? It is the sins of the Israelite. And what does atonement mean? Atonement is the gracious act of the Lord by which sins and impurities of His people can be dealt with. It is the gracious act of the Lord by which sins and impurities of His people can be dealt with. Atonement carries with it two important processes in the life of God's people. Expiation and propitiation. Some of you might be new to these terms, so let me explain briefly. Expiation is the removal of sin from a person, while propitiation is appeasing the wrath of God. Both of these realities are involved in the atonement of sin through the burnt offering. The sacrificed animal dies as the unfortunate substitute subjected to God's wrath, while the Israelites who offer the animal becomes ritually acceptable and holy before the Lord. Now, the question most people have is this. Why does forgiveness come with such a price? Doesn't Jesus command us to forgive one another? And we don't require any sacrifices to forgive one another, right? 
then why does God necessitate a sacrifice before He can forgive us? Well, let me tell you, there is a big difference between the two situations. When we forgive one another, it is a sinner being forgiven by another sinner. But when it is between us and God, it is a sinner being forgiven by a holy and just God. And to satisfy His unchanging character, a sacrifice is needed for the forgiveness of sins. In Hebrew 9, verse 22, it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This also, this also explains why the blood of the sacrificed animals is used in the ritual. Aaron's sons and the priest shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And so, this is not only applicable to a certain group of people in the Israelite community. It is necessary for all people. That is why God gave three types of provision for the burnt offering. Animals from the herd, like an ox. Animals from the flock, like goats and sheep. And lastly, birds, like turtle doves and pigeons. This simply tells us that none are exempted in sacrificing burnt offering. From the riches of the rich, with herds and flocks, to the poorest of poor who can only afford birds, all need to sacrifice burnt offering. All are in need of atonement. Because living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. But how come we no longer sacrifice burnt offerings today? Are we exempted from this command? Are we better than the Israelites? That's why we don't have to do it. Definitely not. We are not better than the Israelites. Paul tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And brothers and sisters, that includes you and me. We all need atonement for our sins. If we are to live as God's people, as children of God, as children of God our sins need to be atoned for. Because living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. So the only reason left why we no longer need burnt offerings today is that the offering has already been made. Brothers and sisters, the necessity of the burnt offering reminds us of our, necessi our necessity to be forgiven of our sins. The necessity of the burnt offering reminds us of our necessity to be forgiven of our sins. Not our sins against one another, but our sin against our holy God. It reminds us of our failure, our neediness, our deprivation. It reminds us of the seriousness of our sin. And in order for us to live with the holy God, a great ransom has to be made. A life for a life. Indeed, Living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. Now that we understand the purpose of the burnt offerings, let us now understand the requirements for the burnt offering. Because you cannot just bring any animal as your burnt offering. That would have been meaningless. Because perfection demands perfection. 
Let us look at the description of the animals that are allowed to be brought as burnt offerings. In Leviticus 1 verse 3, it says, If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish. The emphasis on male without blemish points to the highest value of the animal. A male is required because of the higher value ancient society placed on the male. And the animal must be without blemish and or free of any, def- or of, of any defects, either by birth, by accident, or caused by any illness. The the typical defects included are blindness, injury, maimed condition, irregular members, warts or festering sores, and even damaged testicles. This standard prevented the offering of weak, deformed, or crippled animals, animals that, have, that has lost their value. Now, why is this standard required by God? Why does God demand perfection? Because it reflects the pure and holy character of God. Perfection demands perfection. Imagine a clean glass of potable water. Will you drink it even if it contains a drop of poison or even just a drop of dirty water? I know I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a glass of pure drinking water anymore. It is the same with a burnt offering. Only perfect sacrifices are allowed because it is offered, it's being offered to the perfect God. As I said earlier, at the center of these rituals and sacrifices, the book of Leviticus emphasizes God's unique character, His holiness. Therefore, nothing less can be accepted. And the same is required for us today. For Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 5 verse 48, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Another thing to note regarding the offering of the sacrifice is the requirement and involvement of the priest. In Leviticus 1, verse 7 to 9, it says, And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar. What we see here is the one who brings the sacrifice will be the one to slay the animal, but it is the priest who are to burn the offering as sacrifice to the Lord. This is applicable to all the types of burnt offering whether it may be a bull or a goat or a sheep or a bird. The Lord was clear in His instructions that only Aaron's sons, the priests, are the only ones authorized to offer the blood and burn the offerings. No one else. This emphasizes two things. First, the holiness of God again. Only those who are ritually holy are allowed to make sacrifices to the Lord. And these are the priests. 
And the priests have to go through rigorous ritual cleansing for them to be, able, to be eligible to offer these sacrifices. If they don't fulfill them completely, then they will be struck down in the presence of God as well. The second truth to this restriction emphasizes that the act of atonement is divine activity. Only Aaron's sons, the appointed priests, are the representatives of the Lord to the people. They are considered holy in their professional capacity to offer these sacrifices on behalf of the sinful Israelites. As we have stated er earlier, atonement is the gracious act of the Lord by which sins and impurities of His people can be dealt with. It is the Lord Himself who initiates, who acts, who accepts this offering for the atonement of the sins of His people. This reminds us that we are totally depraved from achieving forgiveness and sanctification for ourselves. Because even our perfect sacrifices are unacceptable unless the Lord Himself enables these sacrifices to be offered up to Him. And He has, by assigning Aaron, Aaron's sons as priests to serve as acceptable mediator between God and His people. Indeed, the burnt offering emphasizes our need for the atonement, for atonement for our sinfulness. But that's only one side of the coin. For this also reminds us that our God will never leave His creation forsaken. He is the way maker. He wants His imperfect creation to enjoy being in the presence of their perfect creator. And so, God made a way. Together with His uncompromising holiness is His great mercy towards His people. Atonement through burnt offering is indeed God taking the initiative and acting on behalf of His people so that they may have the opportunity to be with Him. Therefore, brothers and sisters, the burnt offering may seem like a heavy demand of God from His people, but it actually is a great privilege given by God to His people. Living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. The requirement of unblemished animals for burnt offering emphasizes the holiness of God and our need to be made holy as well. And the requirement of the priestly office to offer these sacrifices reminds us of God's initiative to enable His people to offer, to offer these sacrifices. Atonement was only made possible because of His great mercy towards His people. So that the imperfect people, like us, are able to be with the perfect God like our Lord. That is why living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. Now that we understand why burnt offering is necessary, and what are the requirements for the burnt offering, let us now understand the goal of the burnt offering. In Leviticus 1 verse 9, it says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Three times it is mentioned in our passage that the burnt offering, when done the right way, it is an offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. First, here in verse 9, 
and then repeated again in verse 13 and 17. It is quite interesting here that the metaphor used for the efficacy of the offering is an aroma, using the sense of smell. I don't know if you have noticed how powerful our sense of smell can be in affecting our actions. Our sense of smell is so influential that it can draw us in if we smell something aromatic or we can be, or be repulsed when we smell something that is disgusting. When someone farts in the room, in an enclosed room, people immediately react by leaving the room. But when we smell our favorite food being cooked, we are immediately drawn to it, hoping to confirm the smell. You know, one of my favorite dishes from my grandma, from my grandma's cooking is her fried rice. And every time she cooks it, my nose can sense it. And then I go down to ask or to confirm if indeed she's cooking fried rice. And that excites me for dinner. That is how powerful the sense of smell is. Smell arouses one's memory and reaches deep into our emotions. Therefore, the use of the term pleasing aroma is the appropriate term to describe the goal of the burnt offering. For the sacrifice is offered as if to move God to remember His mercy towards the one who makes the sacrifice. The pleasing aroma implies the Lord's favorable response to the sacrifice. How are the people able to offer up sacrifices that are pleasing to the Lord? It must be up to God's standards and be done in God's way. That is why God gave the Israelites the book of Leviticus. But how about us today? How do we offer up sacrifices pleasing to God? We don't even offer animal sacrifices anymore. Well, brothers and sisters, here is the best news of all. The most fragrant offering has already been offered up to God on our behalf. In Ephesians 5 verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Brothers and sisters, it is not the animal sacrifices that offers up a pleasing aroma to our Lord. It is the perfect obedience of his Son, Jesus Christ. It was his life of perfect obedience and his sacrifice on the cross that perfectly pleased God. His life and sacrifice is a pleasing aroma to his Father, offered on our behalf. That brought us forgiveness from all our sins, both past, present, and future, and made us holy before God. You see, the burnt offerings in Leviticus are, ju- are but just a shadow which points us to the perfect sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. And that is His Son, Jesus. Listen to what the book of Hebrew, Hebrews has to say. In Hebrews 10 verse 1, it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. And then verse 5 to 7, it continues on. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, 
sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Brothers and sisters, indeed, living with the perfect God demands the perfect sacrifice. But you know, the perfect sacrifice has already been given by the Lord Himself. And so we are now able to live with our perfect God because of the perfect life and the perfect sacrifice of His only Son, Jesus Christ. This is the most wonderful truth we can learn from Leviticus. It points us to the perfect sacrifice of all. And so how are we to respond to this wonderful truth? How are we to respond knowing that there are, our sins need atonement? And how do we respond knowing that our God has already initiated the act of forgiveness by establishing the sacrifice? How can we respond to this wonderful truth? By humbly acknowledging our sins before God and accepting Jesus Christ in our life as our Lord and Savior who gave His life for you and me on the cross as atonement for our sins. You see, God has already provided the perfect sacrifice for you. The only thing you have to do is to accept this offering in your life. Accept Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior. And by doing that, our sins are forgiven. We are given eternal life and now we can dwell together with God here on earth and then later on in His heavenly kingdom. So, brothers and sisters, I hope that you have already accepted Jesus in your life. And if you haven't, I hope that you will not delay but accept Him in your life today because He was the perfect sacrifice given by God for the forgiveness of all our sins and to give us eternal life. If you have, accepted, if you have already accepted Jesus in your life, how else can we respond to this truth? Well, the good news is once you have Jesus in your life, then you can offer sacrifices pleasing to God. Not through animal sacrifices anymore, but through our lives. By obeying God with our lives. In Romans 12 verse 1 to 2, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our social media theme for the book of Leviticus this next two months is be different, be accepted. The people of the world strive to be different, but at the same time, being different, they also want to be accepted by the world. But as followers of Jesus, we are to strive to be different from the world and to live our lives acceptable to our Lord. This is what the book of Leviticus wants to teach us. 
And we can do this by following our Lord Jesus. He walked his life perfectly before the Lord, and therefore we can follow him so that we might be able to offer up our lives pleasing to our God as well. Brothers and sisters, living with the perfect God demands giving the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice who gave his life for you and me. Let us put our trust in Jesus and let us offer up our lives as pleasing sacrifice to our God by following him all the days of our lives. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Leviticus that teaches us this very important truth, that we are sinners and we need atonement for our sins if we are to be with you, both here on earth and in heaven. But thank you, Lord, for taking the initiative for acting on our behalf by establishing the sacrificial system so that our sins may be atoned for. Thank you for establishing the priesthood so that they can offer up this pleasing sacrifice unto you. But most of all, thank you to the one whom the book of Leviticus points us to, your son, your perfect son who lived his perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that we imperfect people can live with you, the perfect God. Lord, we pray that we will know this truth each and every day of our lives so that we may appreciate more who our Lord Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. We thank you for his perfect sacrifice. May we live our lives each day following him so that we can also up a pleasing sacrifice to you through our lives by following him, by following our Lord, our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our prayer in his mighty name. Amen and amen.